Bibles this morning, and if you're able to, let's stand as you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Again, the message this morning is on mothers, and uh, we are in a portion of Scripture that typically I go to, uh, I don't know if I've ever really preached a, a Mother's Day message from this, I go here a lot of times when we have um, uh, children or baby dedications uh, to 1 Samuel chapter number 1, of course, uh, Hannah is the person here that we're going to be studying this morning. And I will just say this, even though it's a Mother's Day message, I know that there are some in the room this morning, uh, whether you're a lady or a man, that are not necessarily mothers. Uh, maybe uh, God has chosen uh, some of you ladies, but, but understand this morning that God's Word has something for all of us. I will say this, that there are many that are not only in our church, but around this area and those in the world that would give anything to have someone that would be a motherly figure to them. And some of you ought to just say, you know what, God, point me, direct me to someone that I could be a blessing to. And I, I know God wants to use each and every one of you ladies, and I pray that he would continue to use you and bless you. And as I look at this passage this morning and think of Mother's Day, I think about a husband that he knew Mother's Day was coming, and so he did like most men will do nowadays. He went on Amazon, and he started to look for something, and he decided he was going to buy his wife an iron for Mother's Day. She got that, opened it up, and th there really wasn't much excitement on her face, and so just wanting to be a blessing to him, on Father's Day, she bought him an ironing board. And, and so remember that there is such a thing as the law of sowing and reaping, all right? And so <clears throat> be careful about uh, some of you guys. I know you were thinking about getting your wife a lawnmower for Mother's Day, all right? Don't do those kind of things. But uh, So this morning we're going to look at, uh, I, I just called the message this morning, a mother who trusted in God. A mother's trust in God, and we'll see this in Hannah's life. And so we'll begin reading in verse 10 of 1 Samuel 1. The Bible says of Hannah, she was in bitterness of soul, prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, that thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this portion of Scripture. I pray that you'd bless it and use it as we study it this morning. And Lord, may we all learn what you would have for us, whether it's a mother, a father, Lord, someone that does not even have a child, God, teach us this morning what you'd have for us to learn. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. Now, as we look at this passage and we think about Mother's Day, what many would call motherhood is something that really doesn't get much encouragement in society today. As a matter of fact, the media is does everything they can to belittle family values, but yet the Word of God is very clear, that God's Word is, tells us to honor mothers. Notice one of the most familiar chapters in the Bible, the very last chapter in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. The Bible says in verse 28 in your notes, her children 
arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. So this morning, moms, I want you to know that today, and really every day, we honor you. We thank God for you, for bringing us into this world, for loving us, uh, no matter what we've done, for caring for us, for raising us. And today, like those in Proverbs 31, we rise up and we call you blessed for the wonderful and instrumental role that you play in our lives as our mother. I love what Abraham Lincoln said, no man is poor who has a godly mother. And John Wesley added something very similar. He said, I learned more about God from my mother than from all the theologians of England. Mothers teach some invaluable lessons, and I really believe this, that mothers hold the future of not only our nation, but I believe mothers hold the future of our world in their hands. Moms, you have such a great influence in the lives of your children, and this morning we're going to look at one of those mothers who took a journey in her life, and we're going to see some various aspects of motherhood, and let's learn what God would have for us from 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Notice, first of all, it began before Hannah had a child. She was in a period of time where we see Hannah's discouragement. Now, if you take your Bible again, if you're there in 1 Samuel chapter 1, look at verse number 4. The Bible says, when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penaniah his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for she made her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did, so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Now this is describing Hannah's life before God gave her a son by the name of Samuel. Now I really believe that one of the reasons that Hannah was discouraged was because she was involved in what we would call a polygamous relationship. Notice again, her husband's name was Elkanah, but the Bible says that he had two wives, one by the name of Peniah, the other one was Hannah. Now this is something that might have been practiced by the Jews, but when you look in the Word of God, God never condones that a man would have more than one wife. Now, it is clearly taught in God's Word that this is known as adultery. Now, back in the days of the Judges, as a matter of fact, the very last verse in the book of Judges, we find a description about that time period and the way people were living. I think it is very indicative even of the day we are living in today. Notice what the Bible says, in those days there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And of course Elkanah knew what the scriptures said, yet he chose to have with him two wives. And I believe that not only was Hannah discouraged because of the polygamous relationship that she was in, but the Bible says that Elkanah's other wife, Peniah, that she had children, and yet 
Hannah had no children according to the Word of God. Now, again, I look at the relationship that God has established. You look back in the book of Genesis, and the Bible says that God created from the dust of the ground mankind. He breathed into him, and he became a living soul. And the Bible says it's not good that man should be alone. And the Bible says he created from the man the woman. He brought the woman unto the man, and we find that God instituted the home, one man and one woman. But we find here the situation is a little bit different than what God intended. Now, years ago, there was a Mormon that was pushing a man by the name of Mark Twain about this matter of polygamy. And he said to Mark Twain one day, he says, you give me one verse in that Bible that tells me that I cannot have two wives. And Mark Twain looked at him and he said, absolutely, thou shalt not serve two masters. Now, the truth is, when you look at it, and you can find this information on your own, but Brigham Young, who spearheaded the Mormon movement, had 87 wives. So when you think about Hannah, there was a reason for her discouragement and because of the relationship that she was in and because she had no children. So notice with me this morning about this discouragement that, first of all, she was bitter and this, we see this come out here again in verse number 6. The Bible talks about how difficult it was for Hannah. She had no children. She had not been blessed. Look, back then and even today, I really believe naturally, but yet I believe God has put this within each mother to understand in Psalm 127, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. God gives us children. Now listen, moms, it is not the responsibility of the state. It's not the responsibility of the church. It's definitely not the responsibility of the school system to raise our children, to teach and to train them. The Bible says to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But look, God is for the home. He instituted the home. He told those uh, with Noah and his family when they came off the ark to replenish the earth. Listen, God wants us to propagate. Now, we see recently that statistically last year in the United States, the birth rate fell by 4% to the all-time low that it's ever been. They say that the average family in the United States, husband and wife, that they are having an average of 1.6 children per family. Now, I don't really know how you can take a child and make it a .6, but nonetheless, it's less than two children. Now, some of you that are older, even older than me, understand that, listen, years ago, people were having 6, 7, 10, 12. My, my, my grandfather, there were 12 in his family, 12 children. They, they used to be large families, but nowadays we find the family home is being greatly reduced. Now, why is that? Well, I really believe there's two reasons. One is because of abortion, and number two is because there is less uh, emphasis being placed on the home. Uh, we are not, uh, we don't have the emphasis on family values as we once did. Now, in the Jewish culture, it is something that was strongly desirous of Jewish families to have many children 
And we see this. Here's an example in your notes there. Look at Genesis 30 and verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. That's how bad it was. That's how desirous. And notice Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead? Who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? Now, for many, not just Jewish culture, but even in America, especially in the early days of our country, we find that many wanted a male child. Now, the biggest reason was to carry on the family name. I remember whenever I got to be a certain age and, and I could understand some of this, that I was the youngest of four children and I had three sisters. And I remember as time went on, and then God allowed me to meet my wife, and we started to get together with my, my, my uh, grandparents. They were still alive at that time. There were quite a few times where my, my dad's mom would look at my wife and remind her that I was the last of the Keeleys and that we needed to keep that line going. Talk about pressure, you know. And, of course, God gave us four daughters. But nonetheless, uh, listen, I, I understand sometimes the importance of having this line, this family line being carried on. Now, when we look at Hannah here and what is going on, the discouragement that is there because she has no child, one thing that we can learn from her life is that sometimes God allows adversity so that he can show his mighty power, and that God can show his grace in our lives, and that's what he was doing in Hannah's life. God was closing her womb, and if you notice, we read that twice in those verses this morning, how that what he was doing by closing her womb was preparing her for the blessing that God would eventually bring into her life. There are other people in the Bible, not only Hannah, but in the Old Testament, there was Sarah that was barren. And remember, Sarah was without a child until she reached an old age. And then God eventually gave her Isaac, which the Bible mentions Isaac, as the promised seed of Israel. We just read about Rachel, how God had her barren for many years until God eventually gave her Joseph. And if we remember from the book of Genesis, Joseph was the one God used instrumentally to save the entire nation of starvation and death. We look in the New Testament, and there's Elizabeth. And she, too, was barren for quite a few years until eventually she was found with child. They named that child John. That became John the Baptist, who was used instrumentally in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when you look at this barrenness that God brought about in Hannah's life, the barrenness was really a sign of the sovereignty of God. It was a time of blessing, but it was also a time of waiting. It was a time of growth. How many of you like me that you struggle sometimes in waiting for things? I know I do. And certainly I can't imagine, because I will never be a mother, but I can't imagine what it would be like to wait for the time that God would eventually 
give you a child that you could raise for him. Somebody said this about the waiting. Waiting times are not wasted times. I think I would add to that as long as God's hand was in it. And certainly God had her waiting, and God oftentimes in our waiting is working in our hearts. Notice what the psalmist said in Psalm 27, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So in her discouragement, Hannah was barren, and that brought about that discouragement, but not only because she was barren, but notice also she was discouraged because she was being belittled. Now, this matter of being belittled means that she was being taunted. She was being scorned and mocked. She was even being insulted. Look at verse number six again. Look at the third word of the verse. And her what? Her adversary. Now, I hope you understand the word adversary doesn't mean friend, okay? The word adversary is an interesting word. The word actually means a rival, one that troubles you. It even can carry the meaning of an enemy. Now, do you remember who her adversary was? It was Elkanah's other wife. It was Peniah. So here she is in this relationship. This other woman, this other wife is there. And the Bible identifies, identifies her as her adversary in verse number 6. Notice that her adversary provoked her sore. Now, the word provoked there means that she was irritating her inwardly. And the word sore means that she, she was uh, literally, day in and day out, she was inwardly irritating her severely. This was something that was bringing about great discouragement in her life. She was distressed. She was grieved because of what was going on in this relationship. Now, remember, this was never God's intention. Elkanah was not doing what God would have had him do when he took a second wife. And can I tell you that anytime any of us step outside of God's plan or outside of God's will, there will always be hearts that are grieved. And that's where Hannah found herself. Somebody said, sin will always take you farther than you want to go. And it will. We many times don't understand. And we, listen, just like Hannah, we worry. And the Bible talks about her adversary. Look again at verse 6. Her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her, notice the word, fret. This word means that her adversary, Paniah, was making her day by day, year by year, miserable. This was a very difficult time, a time of waiting. And sometimes when we're going through these times of waiting, it's natural sometimes to wonder, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to happen? How long am I going to go through this? It's easy to worry and it's easy to fret and to be discontent and even at times experience anxiety. Now, I've seen it and I've known a few over the years and I know that there may be even some here this morning and I don't want to be unkind, but I know that sometimes it's very difficult for a, a woman who wants to be a mother and for whatever reason, God doesn't allow that, or God makes her wait. But then she looks around and she sees other women 
that has children. And many times it can become a very difficult thing, a very discouraging thing to see women with children and you do not have one. But from Hannah's life, what we can see this morning and what we can understand from her life is we don't have to be filled with anxiety. What we need to be filled with is faith in God. Just trust the Lord. Notice what somebody said. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. Don't be anxious. Just trust God. So we find Hannah here. Before she becomes a mother, we find there a period, a time of discouragement. But I want you to see, secondly, that out of that time period, out of that trial, Hannah makes a decision. And we see that instead of getting bitter, instead of getting angry, instead of being filled with anxiety, or like maybe some would do, leaving her husband because she does not have a child, instead, what does she do? She makes a decision that she's going to trust God. What a great lesson for us. Look again in verse number 10. She was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed unto the Lord, and she wept sore, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord, all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. So here, she does the right thing. In her trial, she makes a decision. Now, notice what the Bible tells us in Psalm 161, verse 1. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I love what George Mueller said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. We see this morning that Hannah was in a period of discouragement, but she chose to trust God. What is it this morning that you are anxious about? What is it today that you are worrying about today. Are you trusting God the way Hannah did? Now, how did she do that? Notice her prayer in verse number 10. The Bible says here she was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed unto the Lord. She decided to go to God. As the songwriter wrote, where could I go but to the Lord? The Bible tells us in Luke 18, 1, that Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Paul wrote to those in Ephesus and wrote, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Folks, listen. There is power in prayer because of who you are praying to. Notice this statement by Charles Spurgeon. Prayer moves the arm that moves the world. Certainly God can do anything through our prayers. Look, I understand and I know this and I've known it for years. 
I have never and nor will I ever be a perfect parent. No parent will ever be perfect. You cannot be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. You can pray for your children. They need you to pray for them. Look, all of us, if we would be honest today, if we've raised our children, or maybe we are in the process of raising our children, we would honestly say, I probably could have done better. I probably made a lot of mistakes as a parent. And that's why we need to continue to pray for our children, to pray to God for them. Even I've experienced in my life that my children who are now grown, boy, if there ever was a time to pray for my children, the job of being a parent is never done. We need to continue to pray and pray for them even as adults while they go through their trials And we learn here from Hannah through the difficult time in her life, we too need to pray to God. And I thank God for mothers who not only play with their kids, but who pray with their kids and pray for their kids. See, Hannah was discouraged, but then what she decided to do was she made a decision. And she prayed to God, and not only did she pray, but notice her promise In verse number 11, here it is. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give me, give unto me a, a, give a, a," he said, she said, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. In other words, she says, God, if you will, I will. God, if you honor me, I will honor you. She was recognizing that children are a gift from God. And she was saying, look, God, if you give this child to me, then I understand that he is yours. And she's making this promise to him that that she's understanding and recognizing the blessing that God gives us children and that what God wants us to do is give those children back to Him so that God can use them, God can bless them. I love what Wearsby said about Hannah. He said, Hannah did not bargain with the Lord, rather she proved her spirituality by willingly offering God her best. Well, what was her best? Her firstborn son. And the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so think about this love that she had for this child, but she made a promise. And interesting, she made this statement that no razor would touch his head. Now, why would she say that? Because that was synonymous with consecrating a child to the Lord. In other words, what she is saying is that she would give him over to the service of the Lord in the temple, the house of God, at that time. So what did God do? God blessed Hannah. And we find that Hannah then in return honored the Lord. Consecrating our children to the Lord, I still remember doing that with our children. Recently, we have the opportunity to see Brother Kenny and Miss Becky bring Nathan. And they dedicated him to the Lord. That is a, a process. It's an opportunity for a parent again, recognizing that God gave them that child. And that what they are saying is, Lord, he is yours. You've given us this child to raise 
for you. I love what John wrote in 3 John verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That ought to be all of our, as parents, our heart's desire is that I want my children to know God. I want my children to love God. I want my children to walk in truth because certainly, listen, this world does not want our children to know the truth. But Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And we find here that Hannah was praying. She makes this promise to the Lord. And even after she makes the promise, notice verse 12 in 1 Samuel 1. The Bible says here, look at it. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. In other words, Eli, the priest, was watching her. Notice verse 13. Now Hannah spake, notice, in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. See, she just continued to go to God. She continued to pray, asking God. She She would have missed out on the blessing that God was going to outpour on her if she had been offended by what the priest Eli said to her. But what did she do? She kept her promise to God. Even when she was misunderstood by Eli and the beneficiary of the faith that she had in God was her child. Did you hear that this morning, mothers? When we have faith in God, the beneficiary of our faith is our children. Our children need to see that we have faith in God and that we are unmoved, even when people misunderstand us. Look at a great verse in Psalm 119. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The word offend means to cause them to stumble. And I find here that Hannah, listen, in her discouragement, she makes a decision. And she prays to God, and she makes a promise to God. Well, then what does she do next? Well, notice her presentation of her child to God. Look in verse number 19 of chapter 1. The Bible says, And they rose up in the early morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to the house of Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And notice the words, And the Lord remembered her. Remember what? But the Bible tells us earlier in chapter 1, God had shut up her womb. But then remember the promise that she made to God, and the Bible says, watch this, God remembered her. Well, what does that mean? God opened her womb. God began to work as he was already preparing this situation. Drop down to verse 22 of chapter 1. The Bible says, But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide, notice the two words, for how long? Forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou hast weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him, and when 
she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks, an ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. So the Bible tells us that God remembered her. God opened her womb, and then what does she do? Well, remember the promise that she made, God, if you will, then I will. And God had done his part, and now what's she doing? She's doing her part. She was presenting her child. She brought Samuel to the Lord, and watch this, no one forced her to do it. She freely gave him to the Lord. She was keeping her word. The book of Ecclesiastes says, if thou vowest a vow, then you ought to keep that vow. It says, defer not. In other words, whatever promises we make to God, God is faithful. God keeps his promises. God has blessed us, you and I, with so much. What is it today that you and I are honoring him with? You see, God has blessed us. And we need to make sure that we are keeping our promise to the Lord. Well, Hannah certainly did. She made a decision. She made a promise to God, and she presented her child, Samuel, to the Lord. Well, the story doesn't end there. Because watch this. After she makes that decision, I want you to see the delight of Hannah. Because look at chapter 2. The Bible records, and Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none else beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. I mean, what do we see here? We see a woman that is a happy person. Why? Because of what the Lord has done for her. You see, moms, understand this morning that just like Hannah, you too can delight in God's goodness in your life. Well, what are some of the things that she was happy about? What are some of the things that she delighted in. Notice she delighted in God's deliverance, how God opened her womb, and she had turned, look here, she was a woman that had trusted God, and God turned her faith into sight. God had uh, now opened her womb, and she is praising God, just like the psalmist in Psalm 25, oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. When you look back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and you look at those first three verses that we just read, if you count it, now you don't see the word every time, but there are eight references to the Lord in those first three verses. As Hannah is praising God for what he has done. Listen, Hannah was praising God. It wasn't that she was praising God for herself, and she wasn't praising God for her husband Elkanah. She wasn't even praising God for Samuel. She was praising the Lord for his goodness in her life. You see, she was delighting in God's deliverance. But notice also she was delighting in God's strength. Back in verse number 2 of chapter 2, she speaks of God as her rock. I love that phrase there, 
Psalm 31, verse 2. Notice, bow down thine ear to me, deliver me speedily, be thou my strong rock, for in house of a defense to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress, therefore for thy name's sake lead me and guide me. Mom, can I tell you this morning, when it comes to your children, you cannot raise a godly child without the power of God on your life. And every day you have to go to the rock that is higher than you, and you need to rest on his strength and listen, not only delight in his deliverance, and not only like Hannah, delight in his strength, but look at this, she also delighted in God's service. Now look what the Bible says in chapter 2, if you're still there, in verse 18. It says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him, notice, from year to year, when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Now, I don't know if you can really picture this, but every year, families would travel to the city. They would go to Jerusalem, and they would offer sacrifices that God had requested of them, that God had commanded them to bring. And so, if you remember, she had presented Samuel to the Lord, and she was delighting in the fact that he was serving God. But the Bible says, unlike many of you that had however many years it was with your children, that when he was weaned, and many believe maybe three, four years of age, maybe a little bit older, but the Bible says he was still young, that she took him to the temple and she left him there forever. But the Bible says every year they made that journey. Every year she with her husband and with her husband's other wife and her children, year after year after year, they would go to make sacrifice. Now, I really believe that Hannah took that sacrifice and what it represented very seriously. But in my heart, here's what I believe. The one thing I think she looked forward to every year, I'm going to get to see my boy. I'm going to get to see my son serving God. I'm going to, what joy that must have brought to Hannah's heart to know that her son was serving the Lord. Matter of fact, it says that she made him a little coat. I don't know if it was cross-stitch or needlepoint or crochet. I don't know what it was. But probably every time she picked that up to work on that, maybe she stitched into it certain things for him to think of her. Maybe she embroidered his name into it. But one thing I know is what a joy it was for him to be serving God and for her to see him in that capacity. I think even of our children today, and God's given me four wonderful daughters that know the Lord. I never, as a, as a, even as a, uh, wasn't in ministry when they were younger, God called me to preach when I was 30. We already had all of our children. But I never felt it was right for me to push my children into ministry. I always felt like that if God wanted them into the ministry, that he would call them, just like he called me. 
But I did want my children to be saved and to have a heart for the Lord. Today, I can honestly say that my children are either in full-time ministry or they are serving the Lord in one capacity or another. And it brings great joy as a parent to see this happening. And then why do we make such a, a big thing out of this? Well, the Bible says in James chapter 4, look at this, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. Doesn't life go by so quickly? And God gives us children, and we need to invest in them. We need to pray for them. We need to raise them for the Lord. There's great joy in seeing our children. That should be the heart of every mother, every parent today, is that our children would know God and our children would serve God. There's a true story years ago of a missions director that once met with the mother of one of his agency's missionaries, and he spent some time getting to know this mother who had a child that was a missionary. She had him over to her home, and she prepared tea for the director in her parlor, and they sat down and began to drink the tea, and while they were, she explained to him the difficulty of having a daughter on the mission field of China. But she went on to say that she also had a son that was a missionary in Sudan. She loved her children, her son and her daughter. She missed them dearly, and she explained And as she did about what they were doing, her love for God, she said, allowed her to let them follow His will for their lives. The mother went on to describe the burden that her son had for the Sudanese people. Her relaying of his description of the people brought her to tears several times during the conversation with the mission director. And after they had a good time together and tears in their eyes, the mission director thanked her for the tea and the time, and he left her house. And when he left, he left with a deeper appreciation for parents of missionaries. And he had a greater burden for the country of Sudan because of what she told the mission director about what her son was doing there. A few months passed by, and the mission director received word that a missionary that was serving the Lord in Sudan was killed. Tragically, he found out that it was the Scottish lady's son that he had spent some time with. He felt that he should have been the one to break the news to her. So once again, he made his way to her house. He knocked on the door. She let him in. They sat down. He began to tell her the tragic news. The mother looked down and took her a few moments to catch her composure. And here's what she said. These were her words. Sir, I would rather have my son die in the middle of Sudan alone in the center of God's plan than to have him living here with me disobeying God's will. What a mother's heart. What a mother like Hannah that was trusting God, that wanted God's best for her children. Mom, I don't know about you today. Maybe there's some discouragement in your heart today. But can I tell you, it may be that God's allowing you to go through a waiting period 
and something that God is preparing you for that God's going to do in the days ahead. But while you are going through whatever it is, make some good decisions, some faith-based decisions. Just continue to trust God. And here's the key. Not if, but when God blesses you, honor Him. Honor the Lord for what He does in your life. And I will tell you that as you honor the Lord, it will bring great delight to your heart. Let's stand this morning as we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Some great lessons to learn from Hannah and how she trusted the Lord. Again, there may be some here today with heavy hearts, maybe some discouragement, maybe some here today that are not mothers, but God has spoken to you today. This is Mother's Day. Mom, we celebrate you. We honor you. Some of you might want to come during this invitation, spend some time with the Lord, maybe something the Lord spoke to you about today. You might want to come and pray for your mother. You might have a lady that the Lord has put on your heart today. There might be somebody here in this service this morning. Why don't you go to them and say, hey, listen, would you go with me? Let's go pray to the Lord this morning. But all of us today, would you pray and say, thank you, Lord, for the mother you gave to me. And can I say that if things are not right between you and mom, let's be a Christian. Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Life's too short. What I wouldn't give for one minute with my mom today. And if you still have the opportunity, don't let your pride, don't let sin stand in the way. Many have come already. Why don't you come this morning and spend some time with the Lord and delight in His deliverance, in His strength as Brother Kenny sings.